Hi, everyone. This is Brian K. Wright. You're about to hear Success Profiles Radio. I just want to take a moment before the show to share with you our new sponsor. I've been working with BestRadioTravel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to my loyal listeners. Stay tuned during the upcoming show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30% off your hotel rates. Now let's start the show. It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly. I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It's going to be really, really great. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. I've had a lot of things on my mind recently, but one exercise I occasionally come back to is something that really stretches my imagination. A few years ago, we had a Walmart store in Mesa, Arizona, relocate to a better location, which left a 50,000 square foot building completely empty. So here's my question. If you had 50,000 square feet of space available, what would you do with it? What would generate the most money? Would you reopen it as another retail space? Would you divide it up and create a space with multiple uses? Would you open a gym? Would you make it an office space complex? Would you create an amusement center? Would you sell it? What would you do with it? I encourage you to spend time thinking about this because it's really a fantastic exercise to expanding your thoughts and thinking bigger than you ever thought possible. The bigger you allow yourself to think, the bigger your world gets. And when you truly believe you live in a big world full of possibilities, you can be and do anything you want. With this in mind, I'd love to introduce my guest. My guest this week is Doug Vermeeren. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Over the last two decades, Doug Vermeeren has conducted extensive firsthand research into the lives of the world's top achievers. He's learned the success strategies from top business leaders from Nike, Reebok, Fruit of the Loom, FedEx, KFC, United Airlines, Microsoft, Disney, and so many more. The list goes on. And ABC Television and Fox Business referred to him as the modern-day Napoleon Hill. In addition, he's the producer and director of three of the top ten personal development movies ever made. He's the producer of The Opus. The Gratitude Experiment, and The Treasure Map. And people who have been in these movies include people like Jack Hanfield, Mark Victor Hansen, John DiMartini, uh, Bob Doyle, Bob Proctor, Laura Langmeyer, Marshall Silver, so many people who you would recognize, especially if you've listened to this show on a regular basis. He's also the author of three books in the Gorilla Marketing Series and the creator of the Personal Power Master Program, which is one of the top personal development programs in the world. And he's also featured on major media very, very frequently. We're going to talk about a lot today. So here we are with my very special guest, Doug Vermeer. And Doug, how are you today? I'm doing totally awesome, and it's exciting to be with you. I'm very glad that you're here as well. So before I dive into your background, I want to ask, what would you do if you had 50,000 speed of empty space to work with? Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting that you're asking that question because I just did a deal in our city. Um, our, our city, I'm in Calgary, Alberta. The economy here is based primarily on oil and gas, and there's mm-hmm. been some really huge economic challenges for that. So a lot of our downtown core right now is vacant. And so a lot of my friends who do own office buildings and stuff, we've been able to do some deals with them where as long as we cover the utilities and the taxes, they will give us the space. 
And so what we're in the process of doing is creating some virtual office centers for entrepreneurs where they can literally pay you know, just a small amount to have access to either that space or have services within that space. And we don't have to pay for any of the leasing or renting, of course. So it's almost 100% profit. So we're actually doing that right now. So it's pretty cool that you mentioned that. Yeah, that is a really creative way to structure a deal. And I suppose learning to think like that comes with some practice and perhaps by learning from mentors who are used to working in the same way. Well, I I think it's also important to know that uh, those who have the space, sometimes it's just a matter of sitting down and ask them what they really want. And you'd be surprised. Like these guys right now, obviously the buildings themselves are paid for, but they've got utilities and tax bills now that they're stuck with and there's no – you know, tenants that are in there. And so oftentimes just the fact that we can alleviate that burden solves the problem for a lot of people. So, you know, it, it's it's really kind of a collaboration. And I believe that collaboration is really the new economy. If you yes. look at how the wealth is made with, with most people, it's always through, you know, collaborative efforts more than it is through, let's call it transactional efforts. So um, yeah, it's it's exciting. It's cool. I love that. So let's dive a little bit into your background. I know you read Think and Grow Rich when you were 19. So how did that change your life? Well, the thing that was kind of interesting is I was raised in a, an environment like my parents and the family that I had around me were not entrepreneurial. There was no real exposure to personal development or any of these kind of ideas that we see now so frequently as, let's call it, being touted as necessary for wealth. And so my family was stuck in the poverty pattern, which means if you want more money, you put in more hours. You just work harder. And so when I ran into Think and Grow Rich, it just rocked my world. But the thing that I realized is that my environment uh, really created my standards and also my beliefs and what was possible. And so in order to kind of level up that in my life, I, I realized that I had, to re- I had to reach out and start learning from some of the world's top achievers and also surrounding myself with them in, in terms of having them be my influences. So once I'd read the book, I started reaching out to see who I could learn from. And that ultimately led to visits with more than 400 of the world's top achievers. Yeah, and some of those people include, and including but not exclusively, uh, Richard Branson, Donald Trump, Oprah, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and so many more. You really have connected with the top of the top. Well, you, the- you know, also the, the other thing that's kind of interesting about that is there were many people who, in my opinion, were, you know, I, I don't want to discount those names that you've mentioned, but some people that I interviewed were even far more valuable and also higher net worth than some of those names. But you just wouldn't know who they are, but you'd know their brands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a chance to connect with some of the biggest brands in the world and also um, people who were behind the deals with some of the biggest brands. So oftentimes it's not those big, big names that, you know, we often hear about that are often the best teachers or the best people to learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've made connections with many, many amazing people. And and that topic does come up on my show fairly often. So I would like to ask, how do you recommend that we connect to people that we want to meet? You know, maybe the do's and the don'ts, because a lot of people do it wrong. Yeah, for sure. Well, probably the most valuable thing, the insight that I got the most is when I started doing these interviews with the top achievers, um, I, I was meeting regularly for lunch with a friend of our family's who was a multimillionaire. You know, this idea of taking a millionaire to lunch. Well, first of all, um, one lunch isn't going to change everything. It may give you some insights, but you need a relationship, not just a lunch. And so as I started to really develop uh, a good relationship with this individual. He could see uh, that he could trust me with opportunities. He could see that he could introduce me to other people. And one day he just asked me the question. He says, out of all the things we've discussed and out of all the questions you've asked me, there's one question you haven't asked me that's going to change everything. I said, well, what's that? 
And he said, you have not asked me who else I know that you should chat with in this adventure of trying to meet the top achievers. So I asked him, and in the end, uh, I started asking that question every single time I met a top achiever. And it's introduced me to everybody from, um, you know, one of the founders of FedEx to the former VP of marketing for all of uh, Nike and Reebok, the CEOs of Southwest Airlines, the, the founder of Ugg Boots. I mean, every yeah. time now I ask that question, and, and I'm very surprised at who I get to meet next. And it's such a cool privilege, right? Like I yeah. get to meet them based on yeah. that question. And that is so cool, too, because that does not come up really very much, if at all, in Think and Grow Rich, because Andrew Carnegie gave Napoleon Hill all of his connections. And so he didn't really have to ask, who else do you know? He knew already who he was supposed to talk to. So it was so interesting that that was a piece of advice that you got. And I love that. That's probably the biggest takeaway so far. Who else do you know that I need to talk to? Well, the the other thing with that, though, that's really important, too, is that you've got to earn the right to be able to ask that, right? Like people aren't just going to give you their friends. So, for example, I had one guy that I interviewed and 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 when I approached him, I said, have you got 15 minutes for me? So funny enough, when I showed up to meet with him, he pulled out a stopwatch and set it on the table. 15 minutes. Now, thank goodness I was prepared. And that's another important thing of working with a mentor or working with people that can help you is you need to know what you're looking for. Same thing when you show up at a networking event. You can't just go there with the goal to collect as many business cards as you want. That just will not cut it for you. So I have everything in mind on what I wanted to ask. And I was done inside of 15 minutes. And because I honored that clock, he actually gave me many, many more contacts along the way because he knew that he could trust me. So I think that's really important. And also this idea of you know, uh, you're asking some tips to to really level up how you can connect with higher end people. One of my mentors also said it this way. He said, you'll never do a million dollar deal at a $10 breakfast. So you also have to up the locations where you're going to meet these people and don't be afraid to invest to be at specific events. Like for example, when my wife and I met Oprah Winfrey for the first time, we had paid $3,000 each for a uh, charity dinner that was there. Now, most people, you know, have a really hard time spending $3,000 to attend a networking event. But I can promise you that Oprah does not hang out at the $10 breakfast. So Mm -hmm. you've got to understand that sometimes to meet these high-level people requires a stretch, not only of what you're willing to do and the preparation you're able to do, but also the investment that you're willing to make. And so, um, you know, unless you're really willing to step up, you have a hard time really connecting with these people. Absolutely. We've got a couple minutes to our first break. And one of the questions that I did want to ask is, uh, what do you think are maybe one or two of the greatest lessons that you've learned from Think and Grow Rich? Wow. I, I think probably the, the the biggest two lessons, I guess. Um, the first one, it doesn't really say it in, in, in so much words in, in Think and Grow Rich, but that's to be bold, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the deal is the universe is an echo chamber. If you show up with fear, hesitation, doubt, uh, you know, uh, disbelief, that's exactly what returns for you. But if you show up with boldness, confidence, belief in yourself, commitment, total action, everything else, that's what shows up for you. So that's lesson number one is just be bold. <laughs> But lesson number two, Napoleon Hill said the riches are in the niches. And too many of these uh, gurus today say that if you want to be successful, you have to step out of your comfort zone. I'm going to say that's not true. You need to step into your brilliance zone and have a very strategic method of how you're going to become uncomfortable within that brilliant zone. You don't try to do everything. The riches are in the niches. Recognize where your strengths are and then go really deep into those areas and get uncomfortable there, meaning that you want to learn everything you can about it. You want to do everything you can about it. You want to invest your efforts, your time, your money, your resources, all within your area of brilliance, and that's where you're going to shine. Don't try to be everything to everybody. 
That is all fantastic. We're coming up against our first break. We're talking with Doug Vermeeren, and I, I can just tell that, I mean, you and I could probably go on for hours and hours and hours, but we only have one. So <laughs> we're talking with Doug, and we talked about Think and Grow Rich. We talked about connecting and where we can find people to connect with and where we will not find people to connect with. I'm going to ask him in the next segment what his definition of success is, why he decided to be an entrepreneur, uh, how he got into filmmaking, and we're going to talk about creating passive income in this show because he is the number one passive money coach in the world as uh, dictated by Money Magazine. So we'll come right back after the break with so much more to talk about. We'll be right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Be right back. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Brian K. Wright, Success Profiles Radio, and I just want to let you know something. Togenet Radio is partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Brian, that's B-R-I-A-N, to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through Toginet Radio. We've negotiated special rates just for you at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. Bestradiotravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to www.bestradiotravel.com forward slash Brian. Sign up and enjoy the discounts right now. Once again, that is bestradiotravel.com forward slash Brian. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Doug Vermeeren, filmmaker, author, and so much more. And if you've not picked up my most recent book, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it in Barnes & Noble. You can find it anywhere. And Volume 2 is coming out soon, so be on the lookout for that. So, Doug, let me ask you, what does success mean to you? Well, you know, that's a super awesome question. And when I went out to interview the 400 of the top achievers, I learned this in a very interesting way. I'll never forget, I was in the house of Bill Farley, and Bill Farley was the former CEO of Fruit of the Loom Underwear, Christian Dior, Jordas Jean, Gitano Sportswear, also Anaheim Citrus, and he was part owner of the Chicago White Sox. And funny enough, Oprah Winfrey's neighbor. So here I was in his house in Chicago on Lakeshore Drive, 
And I'm asking him all these questions about success. And then it just popped in my mind that I actually didn't really have a definition of that myself. And so, as you can mm. imagine, um, you know, on the airplane ride home, I started really thinking about what does this mean? And as I recognized kind of, again, by now I had done about 50 or 60 interviews with top achievers, I recognized that there were two common elements to success. The first one is a very specific idea of what it looks like. So in other words, there's a benchmark that's measurable and you can really see it. And in fact, one of the sayings we share with our students is a goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. So you need to have that specificity, if that's a real word, I guess. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Um, and, and then the other part, I think, is actually more important. And that's how do you feel about what it is you're trying to achieve? How does it fit with your truest values and your long-term values and your legacy? And Stephen Covey said it best in uh, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said that many people climb the ladder of success only to find that it's leaning against the wrong wall. Mm -hmm. So just having something specific you're trying to do is not enough. It needs to, to really resonate with your values. And the other thing that's kind of important with this idea of resonating with your values is we often get the question, well, why do people procrastinate daily activities or why do they struggle? Why do they need motivation? Well, it's because the things that they're trying to do, they don't see how that fits with those values. So on the surface, they say they know what they want, but it doesn't really coincide with what they really, really desire. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So when people procrastinate, it's not necessarily a laziness issue. It's a clarity issue. Definitely it is. Definitely it is. Yeah. As, as soon as we really understand, in fact, if you look at it like a seesaw, um, on one end, you've got values. On the other end, you've got motivation. And motivation is typically driven by emotion. And so until you see how something is valuable to you, you can't really find an emotion that gets you excited enough to do it. And this is why I believe that motivation never really builds success. If I look at all the top achievers that I interviewed, it's their habits and their ritual tendencies, the things that they do day to day that they do automatically through a sense of momentum rather through a desire to be motivated. And uh, it's funny because even for entrepreneurs, we've got a really cool program that identifies those daily rituals that are absolute necessaries to get to high levels of success because motivation alone will never do it. Wow, that is fantastic. I want to ask, why did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Well, you know, what's interesting is um, I, it's funny. I haven't had a job like a real job, I guess, since I was probably in about high school or shortly, uh, you know, through my college years. And I just found that for me, I guess with entrepreneurs, there's there's a couple of things that we all have in common if you're an entrepreneur. One of them is, is you always see the possibility of making something bigger than what other people maybe don't believe is possible. So there's that idea that if, if you're working for someone else, you're sort of in a container that, you know, you're, you're just looking to burst out of it. It's a prison, right? Yeah. And, and I think as part of it also, you know, there was a study done at Harvard a handful of years ago that said the average person has $6 million ideas per year. I'm going to say they really didn't interview any entrepreneurs there because I know many people who have that in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, I think most entrepreneurs have what we call ADD HD, which is ADD in high definition. Yeah. And because of that, right, we, you know, if we're not creating, we don't feel fulfilled. And then I suppose the other real reason why I wanted to become an entrepreneur obviously is the freedom and the ability that to, to really generate my own income and there's no limits. Like it's kind of interesting. Right after I interviewed the top 400 achievers, uh, when I was in the midst of that as a 19-year-old, in my first six months, I did $1.6 million. Now, remember, I came from the poverty pattern where my father worked in construction and my mom babysat kids in the home. And so when I started making that kind of money, on average $9,000 a day, I mean my father wasn't even making that in a month. 
Right. And so it just it really exploded to me the idea that as an entrepreneur, if I followed correct systems and strategies, I could really build some amazing results for myself, which wouldn't not only bless me, but it, it's even now blessing my kids. And now I even have grandkids and yeah. they're being blessed by it. So it's, yeah. it's a real legacy thing. When you started making that kind of money, Doug, did it freak you out to the point where you weren't sure what to do with it or did you have a plan? Well, it's time to get honest and authentic here. I actually made a lot of mistakes when I first started making that money. Um, In fact, I think any entrepreneur who hasn't come from a background of money goes through what we call the toy phase. And you just buy kind of everything and anything that comes your way. And uh, sometimes I would go, you know, this is back when everyone had DVD players too, but I would go to a store like an HMV or whatever, and I would buy DVDs and I'd get home and I'd realize I'd bought like three or four copies of the same DVD already because I would come and I'd buy like $5,000 worth of DVDs at, at a time for my home entertainment system. And it was really stupid. And there were other dumb, dumb purchases that I made too, but I had one of my mentors actually sit me down one day and say, you, can you see what's going on here? You keep this up and three years from now, you'll be broke and you'll be you know, back to where you were and you'll have lost the trust of everybody and everything else and rebuilding that will be really hard. So I actually had somebody help me put the brakes on it and start making correct decisions. And now I've got like one of my business, my coaching and consulting business alone right now does eight figures. So I'm so grateful that he kind of slowed me down and got me to recognize that, you know, money is a tool and every dollar that you have is a money seed. And unless you're planting those seeds effectively, you're going to eventually run out, even if you've got lots of money right now. Like look at any professional athlete. That's a great example, right? Like while the sun's shining, they they think that it, it will always be that way and it won't unless you're smart. So, you know, it's part of being an entrepreneur is being smart with the money that comes in right from the beginning. Absolutely. So let's talk about making passive or leveraged income. Money Magazine says that you were the number one passive money coach in the world. So let's first of all talk about what passive income is and maybe what it's not because people have misconceptions about that. Absolutely. Well, one of the first things that I want to share that I think is a really important myth to destroy here is that a lot of people think that passive income is a new thing, that now that we have the internet, people can make money online, and that's passive. Well, to be frank with you, passive income has existed since the beginning of time, and maybe this is one of the reasons they rated me as the number one passive income coach is because I believe that having offline income streams is is essential. So in, in like income income on the internet, is one way to do it. And you can certainly do that. But unless you have it sort of balanced online and offline, you're always going to have a portfolio that is really susceptible to marketplace changes. Like again, the internet, things are changing on their 90 miles an hour and people who are making even a million dollars a month on the internet need to keep up with the times or very soon they're going to be obsolete. So that's one of the, one of the first things. Now, the other thing to kind of remember when it comes to this idea of passive income I think even the the phrase itself, passive income, is incorrect. It makes it sound like it's a passive lifestyle that precedes the income. And it also makes it sound like it's very, uh, how should we say, it's a free ride. Well, the truth is, is anything passive requires an active beginning. And it should be written the other way. It should be income before a passive lifestyle. So it should be written income passive, not passive income. And, you know, once we get those systems in place and those strategies in place, then it, it's not even so much that something is absolutely easy and free to do. It's that there are different degrees of activity that are going to be involved. So when I'm creating a, uh, passive income streams in my life, I know that it's neither black or white. There's going to be some degree of activity. So in my office, for example, on the wall, I have something that says MI. It's a chart, like a continuum. And on the other end, it says MO. And what that means is me in or me out. 
and I take every opportunity and I measure it against that. And in some things that I that I create, there's a lot of activity that's required of me in the beginning and less later on. And sometimes, you know, those are the strongest activities. And a lot of times the things that we use to create those income streams, like we're talking about leverage, they're not even activities that I necessarily have to do. In fact, systems, there's really only two ways to ever create systems, and that's to either automate it or to delegate it. And so when I'm building these income streams, I always look at how can I bring in either of those two elements of either automation or delegation. And naturally, there's other elements that we could talk about, but that's sort of the basics of passive income is be prepared to do the work, but use systems that will pay you forever and don't worry about it being online. Yeah. Is this as hard to do as people think it is? We've got about three minutes to our next break. Yeah, no, um, I, I think it, it's like anything else, right? Like, yes, there's there's a certain level of self-discipline that's required to create these things in the outset. And there's also a certain level of understanding. So in other words, you do need to understand techniques on how money is really made. And there's really five areas, and that's business, real estate, investing, intellectual property, or your, through your networks. And when you understand how intellectual property can – or sorry, how um, passive income can be made in each one of these areas, that's when you start to explode what you're doing. And I think the problem with most people while they don't have passive income is the only way they know how to create income is through a trade of their time for money, right? Like it, they, they mm-hmm. look at money from a transactional point of view, not from an exponential point of view. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's really the flaw that most people have. Yeah, it's interesting. The first time that I really got exposed to the idea of passive income is when I read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harvecker. He has a section yeah. where he explains it and gives examples, vending machines, real estate, royalties, uh, just so many. How do you – we got two minutes to the next break. How do yeah. you pick one? Well, here's the interesting thing is, is with those five areas that I mentioned, business, real estate, investing, IP, and networking, um, some of these are going to be strong for you. Uh, or stronger for you than others will be. In fact, I had a student of mine who was very strong in real estate and then realized mm. he just he was a people pleaser and had a hard time asking for rent if people had problems and blah, blah, blah. And he found after taking a test that we offer our students that actually investing was a better suited uh, area for him to be in. So, you know, Warren Buffett once said business is not like the Olympics. You don't get extra points for making a higher high jump or, or doing, you know, a race faster. So the key is with any kind of business or passive income that you're looking to create, create, you look for the low-hanging fruit that really corresponds with your strengths. And if people are interested to learn more about that, you know, we can talk more about how to get that test a little bit later on in the program. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think people are afraid of wealth? Of course they are if they've not had it. And it, it, it's it's not just, again, what will I you know do with it, but it's also like who's going to ask me for stuff or, mm-hmm. or are the taxes going to be higher or mm-hmm. can I manage this or what have you. But here's the deal is money problems are never created by money. They are a symptom. Money problems are always the result of a certain kind of thinking and a certain kind of behavior. And so when we can learn how to solve those – see, my I don't advocate the idea of learning how to balance your checkbook. I am preferring the idea of throwing your checkbook totally into the abundance side. And so when you learn how to master those two things, like I just talked about, it's easier to take money into an abundance, uh, how should we say, an abundance and receiving mode, if you will. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Doug Vermeer, and we're talking about passive income. We'll explore this topic some more when we come back from our break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back.
motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Doug Vermeeren. And if you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, please go ahead and do that. Even leave a review. I would really appreciate that. We are talking about passive or leveraged income, and let's continue that discussion right now. Uh, Doug, there are many, many ways that people can earn leveraged income. What are some of your favorites? Well, you know, again, out of these five areas that we mentioned, business, real estate, investment, and intellectual property and networking, I have made money in all of them, and I still do. But my favorite and the one that I love to coach other people on is obviously business and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, in fact, the reason maybe I feel so comfortable there is because when I went out and I interviewed the 400 top achievers, most of them had made their money in the areas of business and entrepreneurship. So I really got some effective mentorship in that from people that have created billion dollar brands Mm -hmm. and brands that everybody knows. Now, having said that, I also enjoy the ideas of intellectual property. And I also enjoy learning how to make money through networking, which most people aren't aware. Well, what do you mean? I can make money through my Rolodex. Of course you can. There's many, many ways. In fact, one of my favorite ways, I actually made $400,000 in an hour once with none of my own money through using my networks. And that was simply by introducing entrepreneurs who needed money to people who had money and taking a cut from both sides. So there's a lot of creative ways. And I think that this is an important principle here is that resources, meaning money, always follows resourcefulness. So the ideas always precede the income. And I think that this is something that maybe most people who are either running a business or involved in, you know, whatever it could be, they often think that they need money before they can implement ideas. And if there's one thing that I've learned that I think is so important to share with, you know, entrepreneurs who might be listening, it's that collaboration is really the new economy. And there's so many people that you can work with and partner with even without money to create really powerful tools and enterprises. So I I think that's probably the strongest and and the best advice. And, you know, we've actually got a um, a book that a person can get access to for like six bucks online called Passive Income Millionaire that actually unfolds the seven principles to go to 10 figures in a hurry. Now, remember, I did my first 
you know, uh, seven figures inside of six months. So this is stuff that really works. This is stuff that's very powerful. But if you want that book, just head over to PassiveIncomeMillionaireBook.com and it's available for you right now. Absolutely. That sounds like such a great idea. And I hope everyone listening does that because that's amazing. And I'm going to do that. That's awesome. So I've heard you say that you can't save your way to wealth, but you can buy your way to wealth. Tell us about that. Well, here's the thing is that people who save, what are you going to get like from the bank, really, right? Mm -hmm. Like next to nothing. But all wealth is really created through a purchase. In other words, we're buying assets that are going to give us a return. And if you think about this, like even if you pull out your credit card now, I always kind of, you know, use this as the example. Everybody says to become rich, you got to use OPM, other people's money. Well, that's exactly what a credit card is. The bank has given you money and they're trusting you to do something with it. Now, most people, what do they buy with their credit card? Well, they'll buy shoes or movie tickets or out for dinner with friends or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But none of that ever gives a return. So back to this idea that every dollar you get is a money seed. You know, how are you really using this credit card? Are you buying assets that will return either education or an investment or an opportunity or like something that will give you a return? In fact, I'll never forget, I was outside of a hotel one time with Frank McGuire. And for those of you who don't know Frank, he was the former VP of marketing for all of KFC. He was uh, the VP of marketing for American Airlines and also one of the four founders of FedEx. And as we were here, this, this kid was loading our luggage into the truck uh, to head over to the airport. And... Um, you know, Frank gives this little bellboy five bucks, but before he gives it to him, he asks him, what did I just give you? The kid says five bucks. Frank says, well, what is that worth? The kid says, well, I don't know, uh, five bucks. And Frank said, no, it all depends on what you do with it next. And I think that this is the big mentality that most people miss is that money is actually an opportunity to either create wealth or create poverty or stay the same. That's really what it's going to be, Right. Yeah. And depending on how you use it, the habits that you create. See, here, here's one problem I notice with a lot of people is they figure, you know, five bucks is much. It's in, not much. It's inconsequential. It's not going to make a difference. But there are so many opportunities available that are there. Like, you know, even if you look at the idea of penny stocks, I mean, that's a place to start, right? Mm -hmm. Or even if you look at the five bucks as an opportunity, in fact, to, you know, pay somebody on Fiverr to do something for you, like create a, a book cover for something like we, we've got to be careful that how we really look at the little things, the details is what eventually builds the big things. You know, when I was on the Great Wall of China, this thing is amazing. It's like you can see it, you know, for going on for miles either way. They even say you can see it from outer space. But when you're on it and you look down, it's actually made up of very small bricks. And so these little choices will determine, in my opinion, how quickly you will become wealthy or not. Yeah, I love that. That's great. So let's talk about the idea of paying yourself first. Do poor people and wealthy people understand this differently? 100% they do. In fact, um, I had this taught to me, funny enough, uh, e even after I had made my money, I still didn't understand this principle. And I have a mentor that I meet every single Friday, and we go and do lunch. In fact, today's Friday. We're going to be connecting a little bit later on this afternoon. But he's worth about $800 million dollars. And um, he's got some really interesting ideas uh, that helped or have helped me. And one of the ideas was this idea around paying yourself first. Now, when you share that with most people, they assume that means, you know, whatever money I get comes in, I'm going to take a percentage off of that and that's going to go into my pocket. And that's how they look at it. That's the end of the discussion. But when I brought this up to him, his first remark was how greedy and foolish. And I was like, what? What do you mean by that? And he says, well, let's look at it this way. If you were on the boat, the Titanic, and the Titanic just hit the iceberg, what are you going to do? Paying yourself first means you hop into the lifeboat. You're the first one there. You take care of yourself, right? 
Mm. He says, would you really do that? And I said, no, I would make sure my family's on board. I would bring in somebody who knows how to, you know, keep us alive, either through navigating the little lifeboat that we've got, or if we get on a deserted island to hunt or fish, or I, I'd get all the people that can take care of us, people with flares, the whole bit. I'd fill the boat full of everything we needed because I don't know how long I'm going to be there. And he yeah. says, that's exactly right. So paying yourself first, and if you look at any successful company, and I saw this again and again through the top achievers that I interviewed, they often would pay their employees before they'd even pay themselves. Yes. They would hire people smarter than them and make sure that they could take care of their customers before they even took a paycheck. And there were times that they were you know, the last guy to get paid. And because they did that and took care of everybody else, in the end, they never had to worry again. So in my opinion, after, again, interviewing 400 of the top achievers and seeing so many uh, of these guys do their business this way, Paying yourself first means putting yourself in a position where you will survive and thrive and be able to play again. Whereas in I have had clients who, you know, it's funny, uh, I've got, you know, entrepreneurs that, that we coach and things and, and some of them come with some pretty difficult challenges that they've already created for themselves. And yeah. one such guy that uh, I, I was just chatting with not too long ago about this principle, he had a client that paid him. Uh, I think it was about uh, $300,000 for a really big contract that he was doing. Well, do you know what he he did? He knew the difference and he knew he could, you know, service his client at a certain amount of money. There was room for him, but he went about two weeks into getting this money and bought a brand new uh, Ferrari. So um, his client saw this. <laughs> oh. His client said, this isn't working for me. We'd like to cancel the contract. So the optics of it, you know, I mean, yeah, he had the ability to service his client, but the optics of it just weren't good. And so it ended up killing the deal. And so we've got to be really careful that when we pay ourselves first, that we do it correctly by making sure that we can play again. And that yes. includes creating the right optics, right? Absolutely. Well, building wealth is a team sport, and I'm sure you'll agree with that. So I would love to ask you uh, in terms of building a business now, how do you know when it's time to hire or outsource things out? Well, can I tell you the very first important team member that you need? Yes. The very first important team member that you need and you need to understand is your customer. Mm. And I think that this is somebody that people often don't put on their team. They say it's us against them, right? They often say, you know, one, we're a team on this side and they're the guys that we're going up against to get the money. But the truth of the matter is, is the whole idea, again, back to this idea of collaboration – you need to understand your customer very well. They need to be on the team. They need to. You can even ask them what they will buy and what they need and what they value in the marketplace. And that's what's going to set you apart. That's what's going to create a brand that is powerful in the marketplace. And it's interesting that you know I've got a lot of uh, people through our programs that are coaches and speakers and authors. So let's talk about authors for a minute. How yeah. often do these guys say I'm going to you know find a hotel room somewhere privately and write my book? And they sit at this little retreat in a hotel room, lock somewhere, and they write a book. And then they wonder at the end why they've got a garage full of books that won't sell. Well, it's because they've not engaged the person that ultimately needs to buy that book. In fact, you can always tell when I'm writing because I'm on social media and I'm asking questions and I'm doing research and I'm asking people to submit their thoughts and ideas around certain concepts. And it gives me a way to really quickly see what's of value to my people. And that allows me then to have an easier sale to them. If, if they're involved in creating it, they're telling me already what they're going to buy. Yeah. And so I think that that's the first and most important team member that you need to have within your business. And then when it comes to, like you're saying, hiring and things of this nature, I think you know one of my one of my favorite interviews that I did was with Howard Putnam, who was the former VP of all of customer service for United Airlines, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, and later the CEO of Braniff Airlines. And he talked about how they hired at Southwest. And he said, we didn't really hire always based on the resume. We hired about 
or in regards to their attitudes because anything can be trained in terms of skill sets, but attitude can't be fixed. So if they come and their values are not aligned with your company or who you are, you can have a really hard time sorting that out later. And I would also add to that in my experience, if you hire somebody and, and you find that their values aren't in a line, um, number one, we can't blame that person because you're the person that did the hiring, right? So right. You, you need to take ownership of that. But I think together, you and them need to either find a way to get rid of that person or help them understand and adopt the values that the company has, or it's just going to be disastrous for everybody. Absolutely. We've got a couple of minutes until our final break. Let me ask you about income preservation. It's not just about making money, but you have to keep it too. Well, 100%. And you know what? When people also talk about passive income, they're always talking about the money coming in, and they never talk about the, the money that's preserved or other forms of income. Like, you know, one of the things that we've shared in our income uh, or our passive income training is this idea of rebate income. Right. And nowadays, you know, we've got credit cards that give you points and other loyalty programs that give you points. And most people don't understand that those are not only negotiable, but they're also something that if you look at your daily activities, that you don't even have to do anything different. There's tons of money that's being left on the table or tons of income, if you will, that's being left on the table because people just don't know how to receive it. So passive income, there's really three kinds of passive income. That's, again, the cash flow, which we talked about, and that's essential. Cash flow is king. There's rebate income, which I'm just talking about now, but there's also preservation income. And that also includes having the right accountant. Like, I don't know, this is a, maybe a horror story to tell, and I know we've only got about a minute to do it. But at one point in my life, I had the wrong uh, accountant helping me, and it ended up costing me more than $700,000 in taxes. Oh. Now, thank goodness I got rid of them and, and, and hired somebody that now understood my business, and some of that was removed, but some of it I had to pay because of the mistakes that were made by the first person. So it's important to not just say I need a bookkeeper and an accountant for my business, but the right person that understands your business. Very important. No, that is absolutely important. And we are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. There will be a lot of things that we're not going to have time to talk about. But when we do come back, I want to ask Doug about his personal power mastery brand. He's got a podcast. He's doing live events. And uh, I'm going to ask him, what is the best advice for people who struggle to create wealth? And what are the essential skills and habits to building a million-dollar business and so much more? We will come right back. And down the stretch we come when we return. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will come right back on the other side. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Do not disturb. 
sign has been around as long as there have been hotels where discretion was a bitter part of value. One lecturer at Cornell University School of Hotel Administration traces the Do Not Disturb sign roots to the aristocracy of the early 20th century at grand establishments such as the Ritz in Europe. It sure is annoying when you just want to be a slug of bed and someone knocks at the door and says, Housekeeping, what's the word for the semi-conscious state between sleep and wakefulness? Hypnopompic. There are days when I wish I could wear a do not disturb sign around my neck. What to call someone who wants to lay in bed all day? A scabberlatcher. It's marching. Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Doug Vermeeren. And if you have not picked up my book, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, it's everywhere. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes Noble. And Volume 2 is coming out soon. So, Doug, you have developed a brand called Personal Power Mastery, which has included a podcast, live events, and many, many other things. But as we go along in business, sometimes we feel the need to evolve the brand, or sometimes the brand evolves with us or for us. Tell us how that's working for you and what that has involved for you. Sure. Well, obviously, we've enjoyed Personal Power Mastery, and we've shared a lot of the tools and techniques that we've learned through the Top Achievers. And um, in fact, the book is out there. The podcast is out there. Uh, we do even still run the seminar, which is a three-day event. And we have a lot of fun doing it. But what I've kind of found is as people have come through the event, they want more than just the, let's call it the, the mindset and the habits of successful people. They actually want to be able to bring that into their world and get real results, especially entrepreneurs and business owners. And entrepreneurs are, as you probably already understood, my focus. Like I love working with entrepreneurs. That's where my skill set is. Um, I, I really believe that the tools that we have for entrepreneurs are second to none in the marketplace. And really that's because of those interviews I did with the 400 top achievers. Nobody else has ever done that, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've created a brand that includes our personal power mastery programs and materials in it called Entrepreneur of Influence. And I think this idea of entrepreneur of influence is really two parts that make it really successful. One, let's take the word entrepreneur. It's, it's really got the strategies of business growth in addition to you know, the personal mindset. So what does it take to become a successful entrepreneur in today's marketplace? And then this idea of influence, I think, is um, really kind of unique because everyone's talking about influencers nowadays, but I think they're getting it wrong right? It's, it, your your influence is not a matter of how many likes you get on Facebook or how many times a video is viewed or shared or whatever. Influence actually isn't the likes. It's a matter of being liked, meaning yeah. favored. And when we become the number one choice for our customers, that's when we've got more influence for a specific group. So in other words, I'm not interested to influence a massive quantity that won't do anything. I'm really influ- influencing, if I can, a very quality group that will do something. And there's a saying, you know, that we have in our company on how to get there. And that's that mastery equals monopoly. So how do you get to be so good at something that there really is no other choice? You are the one who dominates that marketplace because you're just that favored 
within it. So that's really the tools that we're sharing now in conjunction with what Personal Power Mastery has let us uh, have. And, and I guess that's the thing. I mean, after you interview 400 of the world's top achievers, there's so much content and tools and materials yeah. that help other people, um, you know, that, that really I think it's it's difficult to to share it all in one setting, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, absolutely. That's why my conversations with high achievers books is, is a series because I'm sharing the best of the best of the interviews that I've done. And it's interesting too, because I talk about repurposing content a lot, you know, uh, on my show, on podcasts, when I'm being interviewed, people may hear your show, but not read your book. People may read your book, but not know you have a magazine and the cycle just goes on. So that's why you need to be everywhere. hundred percent. Yeah, definitely uh, true. Definitely yeah. true. Absolutely. So where can we, and I'll ask you again at the end of the show, but where can we find you? Where can we learn more about personal power mastery and everything else that you're doing? Well, I think, I think probably the coolest thing that, that we're doing is we've got a lot of free content that's out there for people. So again, uh, we want you to be able to experience what we do before you decide that you want to go, you know, and venture further with us. If you get our vibe, you'll become our tribe. Yep. So we've actually got real live action coaching sessions that we do on YouTube. So you can type that in. You can also see some of the events that we've done and there's lots of tools and materials that are there. In fact, we've even taken some of the people, like I do a coaching program. Uh, right now it's got a three-year waiting list for this one-on-one -on -one and we charge 250K per year. Wow. But the cool thing is, is you can get some of that info without being part of the program. You just head over to YouTube, type in my name and you'll see that it's there. So there's lots of those kind of tools. Uh, Instagram also, we're sharing now, of course, every day, some really amazing things and LinkedIn and Facebook. But you can go to my website, which is Entrepreneur of Influence dot com and uh, also my name they both lead to the same place douglasvermeeren.com and there's also a lot of other free resources that are there for you to be able to you know immediately learn what the 400 top achievers taught me that's great i love that so what is your best advice for people who may be struggling to create wealth right now well i think um probably the very very first step is recognize that you can't do it alone wealth is a team sport you need to really you know, I mean, based on what you've already been doing, <laughs> it's not working. So you need to get some support that's going to be larger than you. And I'll never forget one of the first experiences that I had where I learned this, getting true support. I was already interviewing the world's top achievers, and there was a gentleman who was worth several million dollars, and I wanted him to invest in a business that I was creating. So he said, bring me a business plan. I brought it to him. And as I brought it to him, he flipped it open. He says, oh, you might want to change this. And I immediately tried to defend it, right? Like I said, no, 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 this is why I got it. So he just kind of rolled his eyes and flipped the page, let me have the benefit of the doubt. He found another spot and he said, you might want to change this because this isn't going to work. Again, I tried to defend it like crazy. And mm. he just kind of rolled his eyes a second time. And as you can imagine, it happened again. And yep. this time, instead of rolling his eyes, though, he stopped me and he said, you know what? You can be richer. You can be right. And then he said, you want to see who's got it figured out already? He says, your bank statement is a report card of how well you understand business and money. And then at the time, it was funny. He pointed out that I had about $600 in my bank account, while in his bank account, it was in the multi, multi millions. So he mm -hmm. says, would you like some advice or do you want to try and do this with what you currently know? And so obviously that humbled me quite wow. a bit. And then in, a, in, in continuing that conversation, he explained to me that ego is the biggest thing that kills wealth because when people think they already have the answers, they are not teachable. And then we talked about the difference between tenacity and stupidity. And the real difference is, is stupidity. If you think about somebody trying to get into the room beside them, they bang their head in the same spot and they bang, 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 and they'll never change. But someone who's tenacious may bang his head and realize it doesn't work, but he's teachable. 
and you can show him another place to either walk through the door or a window or to help them bang their head in more effective ways that will actually yeah. create a door or a window. And I think that's the real problem that keeps most people from wealth is that they're just not teachable and they're just not ready to uh, get a mentor that will help them. And it, it, in fact, it's so funny. I've, I've run into so many people who say, I'm not going to pay to go to a seminar or I'm not going to buy a book or I'm not going to pay to chat with a mentor. And right away, it tells me how committed they are to learning. Yeah. And they don't understand that part of using that money seed is purchasing information that's going to give you the specialized help that you need to get to the next level. And they don't recognize that it's not really spending money. It's an investment. And until you're really willing to make those investments, that's just the price tag for wealth growth. Until you're prepared to invest and take those leaps of faith, you'll never get something extraordinary by doing what everyone is doing that is average. So yeah. you've got to do something more and something different, and that will involve risk. But the cool thing about risk is the more that you become in that environment, the more you learn, the idea of risk actually now shifts to evaluation because now we know what to look for. We know what to to do and, and, and how to make it work. But until we're prepared to learn those things, which will require investment, we will never, ever have the ability to evaluate. We'll always be in a disadvantaged position. Absolutely. Uh I've got maybe two or three more questions to the end. I think we've got maybe four or five minutes at the very, very most. So I want to ask you, and I know we could do a whole hour on this next question, but uh, real quickly, what do you think are maybe the most essential skills and habits to building a million dollar business? What, like the, the first, like the top one or two? Yeah, well, obviously the very, very first one is going to be focus and clarity. Uh, bottom line is, is life is like we have a room full of plants, but only one glass of water. And if we try to water everything, it's all going to die. So you do need to get focused. You need to get very careful at the beginning and you need to see how that's going to work. So that's number one. Um, number two, I'm going to suggest you do need a mentor and you need somebody that's going to help you recognize what to do. Now, with that idea of mentorship, the very first thing they're going to help you understand is where your transactions are. If they're worth anything as a mentor, your marketing plan doesn't matter your demographics don't matter your geography doesn't matter nothing matters till you know what you're trying to get people to do and that's the transactions so what does that look like and then probably number three is you've got to learn how to sell and you've got to learn how to negotiate so when those transactions exist how are you going to draw people to it and help them understand and be convinced of your ideas how can you communicate that with power now it's interesting that you asked this question because we actually do have an audio cd uh, that came out. I was actually asked the same question by Lauren, Lauren Simonetti on uh, Fox Business not too long ago. And in the end, we found that there's actually really 10 essentials that you need, but those are the first three. So mm -hmm. if you're interested to learn more about those, again, reach out to us through social media and I can send you to an audio that we created called 10 Keys to Taking Your Business to Over a Million. And like I said, you've got to have all 10, these first three essential, but you need all 10 to really make it easy to do. And Absolutely. Most people are looking for a shortcut. There is no shortcut. Absolutely. You've got to, you've got to do this. Out of all the books that you've read, which is your favorite or most influential? Wow, that's actually kind of an unfair question. It is. So many books that have been – well, obviously, Think and Grow Rich is the one that started it out for me. Yeah. Right behind that was How to Win Friends and Influence People. And then if I were to list in my top ten, I'd say Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is probably one of my top favorite books. But man, oh man, there's so many and it almost seems like, what do they say? That when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yeah. So yeah. oftentimes when people say, what's what's the best book that you've read? I'm, I would sometimes answer, it's the one I'm currently reading. Yeah. Right? And, Absolutely. And sometimes, I mean, it, it's not even so much what's said in the book. It's how does this apply to what's happening in my life? Like when I read a book, one of the things that I'm always trying to do is – 
ask the question, how can I apply this or how can I do it better or how can I teach it better? So sometimes the book, it isn't even the content that's in it. It's just that it spurs me to really think about things. I think more important than the book you read, it's the questions you ask about the book you read. Absolutely. And in fact, it's so funny that you know one of the tools that we give our entrepreneur students is I've actually got an 11-page document that is nothing but questions for various aspects of your business. Wow. And the better the questions we ask, the better the answers, and the stronger your business. And that's absolutely it is. And as we wind down to the end, here's the question I ask everyone, Doug, who inspires and motivates you? Wow. I mean, that's another one of these really big questions. I've had so many people that motivate and inspire me in a variety of different areas of my life. It depends what I'm trying to achieve. But, um, you know, I, I, I think for me, from a business point of view, probably the most inspirational, powerful person for me was Frank McGuire. Mm. who, again, was one of the co-founders of Federal Express. He became like a grandpa to me and really nurtured me and took me under his wing and personally mentored me. Uh, so that was somebody that I totally admire. But on a personal level, I'd also say that it's my mom because she raised four boys and then went back into the marketplace and also became a marathon runner and a speed walker. And she holds several uh, world record or um, for her age category. She's world champion in a few areas. And so to me, nice. those are some people I admire. Fantastic. And one more time, how can we find you and Tribe and Vibe with you? Yeah, probably the best I'm going to su suggest is find us on social media. Just type in Douglas Vermeeren, especially on YouTube. We've got tons of resources that are there and free stuff. But right now I find I'm using LinkedIn and Instagram a lot. So join me there. I actually do respond to the PMs that come. And uh, we'd love to share with you all the free materials that we have. Awesome. Thank you, Doug, for being here. And thanks all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please join me every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and how we can learn from their lessons in life. Until next week, take care, everyone. Have a great day. Goodbye. being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. <laughs>